Welcome to the Second Pot Podcast. I am Caleb Spiker. I'm here with Serena Wolf. Hopefully you have your second pod on. I am starting my fifth can of Diet Mountain Dew for the day, so I am well caffeinated and ready to roll. How are you doing, Pastor Serena? I'm hanging in there today. It's Monday. Case of the Mondays. I have a case of the Mondays. Yeah. It's all right. You know, it happens. It does. It happens. Do you think that Mondays... And our general dislike of them is something that we learn from our family of origin. Like, do you think there are families that like Monday's the best day of their week and they get super excited about starting new weeks and that goes on from generation to generation? Or do you think we are genetically predisposed to struggling with Mondays? I think Monday was the day that Adam and Eve ate the fruit. And ever since then, the first day of the week when we returned to work, has been a drag. You could even say it's toil. You could. Yeah. Well, I mean, that is kind of what we're talking about today is how our families of origin affect us. Um, because as Scazzaro says, Jesus may be in your heart, but grandpa is in your bones. And boy, are those not true words. So, uh, one of the things that we didn't really get into yesterday, but is um, an important part of this question of family of origins and going back to go forward, is what Scazzaro talks about as sort of the two essential truths of taking account of your history in order to move forward in discipleship. And this um, is Peter Scazzaro of Emotionally Healthy Spirituality. Right. That's the guy. That is the course that you are, or that's the book you are looking at, right? Yep, yep. We've uh, we've had uh, three emotionally healthy spirituality small groups running, um, and we are in a series that talks about a lot of those themes. Um, so, if you have been watching online or been with us in service, you've been like, "Man, Pastor Caleb has been really smart the last three weeks." Like, peek behind the curtain, you will find Pete Scazzaro is there. So. Um, yeah, one of the things he talks about, uh, in his book and the truths of going back to go forward, um, is one that the blessings and sins of our family go back two to three generations and profoundly impact who we are today. I mean, that's, that's just really true. Um, you know, it's, it's really easy, you know, especially in the 21st century and our, uh, quick to blame culture to be able to go back and be like, well, yeah, my problems, you know, you can trace them back to what my great, great grandfather did and how that, you know, shaped things out. Mm -hmm. Um, but I think there's also, you know, the, the, there are blessings to the way our families operate, which, which go forward as well. And I appreciate that he, uh, that he brings them both to the forefront. But I think what maturity looks like and what Christian discipleship looks like is being able to take a honest look at the things that we inherit from our family and um, be able to put them through the um, through the test to determine if they jive with the gospel or not, uh, which gets us to his second. Uh, truth, which is that discipleship requires putting off the sinful patterns of our family of origin and relearning how to do life God's way in God's family. Um, 
And this can be really hard because, you know, the reality is that a child in a dysfunctional situation is by and large incapable of saying, why is this situation dysfunctional? Mm-hmm. At very best, they may say, what's wrong with me? Um, which even then, that's not a best case scenario, but it's just an awareness that something is wrong, right? Um, so, you know, and this is this is hard, right? Like it, it, like what we grow up with is normal, to us at least. Um, and it's hard to to wrap our heads around what is normal for us may not actually be normal. Um, and I think it's going to be especially hard for kids growing up now um, in an era where sleepovers are going to be <laughs> not a thing that happens. Yeah. Um, where you have less of an opportunity to see the way other families function. Um, I don't know. What are you thinking about all this? So thinking about that uh, second aspect of, you know, Jesus may be in your heart, but grandpa's in your bones. I've been leading confirmation here at Trinity, and we've been talking about repentance. And repentance permeates the, the life of a Christian, right? Like this is the basis of, this is where discipleship starts. And it's not just recognizing the easy things, right? Like, it's easy to say, oh, I just lied, and then repent. Uh, it's harder to recognize some patterns because we're blind to them, mm-hmm. right? Like we don't know they're abnormal. But of course, it, when we think about this, recognizing those patterns in your past, in your family's life, um, you need to identify those, recognize where they fall short of the mark, and then repentance involves changing your mind and changing your behavior. Hmm. And I'm just thankful that uh, God does not want us to continue living into these less than desirable patterns of behavior, these these ways of living that are harmful to us, um, and that God wants us to grow closer to him and to grow into, into the people he created us to be. God sees where we are when we come to him, and he doesn't want us to stay there. And I think that this is what's so great about Emotionally Healthy Spirituality and then the Emotionally Healthy Relationships course uh, is that you are working on seeing where God wants to take you next. Like, we are not ashamed to promote brands that we love. It's true. And if you pay me enough, I'll promote a brand I don't love. This week in Emotionally Healthy Relationships, we are tackling climbing the ladder of integrity. Well, I mean, back to this idea of families of origin. Uh, a little while back, I was watching a uh, Red Table video, um, and it was Will Smith and uh, the lady who played Aunt Viv. And I feel really bad that I can't remember her name. Was it the first Aunt Viv? The first Aunt Viv. Okay. The one um, he had a falling out with. The one who uh, he had a falling out with. And as they explored what went on with that whole situation, it became really very clear how much their differing um, value structure that came from their families led to a lot of their tension. Um, She came from a family that was very strict, very achievement-oriented. Like when things get hard, when you're stressed out, 
you shut up, you get really focused, you try really hard, you get through it and you, you achieve, you win, you make it happen. Um, and Will, on the other hand, grew up in a family where if his dad wasn't laughing, he was beating up his mom. Oh man. So when things were tense in that household, Will the clown came out. Yeah. So, you know, they're on set. They've been shooting for eight hours or whatever. And, you know, people are tired and people are stressed and there's tension. And her default response, serious, focused, get this thing done, make it happen. His default response, clown. Right. And as you may guess, that doesn't work out very well. No, it does not. So, you know, they had this this falling out and for, you know, 30 years they weren't getting along. Like, yeah. you know, I mean, this is this is like these the failure to understand how our families of origins shape us. And and I mean, let's let's point out the obvious here. Neither one is the quote-unquote right response. Right. Right? Like it yeah. is fine to uh, approach stress with humor. It is fine to approach stress with intense focus. But where the the conflict came was that both of them were under the assumption that their way of dealing with it was the right way. And I don't think either of them had the self-awareness to even say, like, yeah, the way I'm dealing with it is right, the way they're dealing with it is wrong. But it's just like, what is wrong with you? Why are you so, you know, wh- why are you goofing around right now? We need to get this thing done. Right. Well, why am I goofing? No, goofing around you're supposed to. Why are you, you know, why are you, wh- so, why are you so tightly wound? Yeah. 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 And that's the thing about these patterns is that – um as you discover them, as you uncover them, uh, you see that they separate you from God and they separate you from your neighbor. And that is why we have to ruthlessly weed those things out. Turn to God for uh, healing. Yeah. And I think the the where some of the difficulty comes in you know and this is this is kind of a a bigger um you know kind of going back to the pharisees and embellishing the law is is understanding where there is a right way and a wrong way and where there are different ways um so you know first international missionaries they took a whole bunch of american culture with them not just the gospel right um I went to to school um, uh, with a guy whose family was from central India, and his name was Danny Johnson. Huh. Why? Because when the missionaries got to central India, part of what the gospel looked like was doing away with their traditional names and taking on English names. Um. And, well, you know, this is like, like we, we hear this and like, it's nonsensical to us. Except, except um, if you are Hindu and you have 
your name is tied to one of the gods or goddesses, right? In that case, it might be appropriate to take on a different name as a Christian. Just typically when we take on different names as Christians, we take on the names of the saints, (laughs) not just uh, any Western name that rolls off the tongue. Yeah. Well, I think it's both, you know, first and last name, which is what was so Yeah. So surprising, right? So it's not just it's not just, you know, no longer um you know, so I I am not well versed enough in Hindu names, right? But if someone who is um who's a practitioner of Islam and came to know Jesus um, no longer wanted to go by the name Muhammad, I would get that, right? Sure. Like, if you want to go from uh, Muhammad to, I don't know, Peter, like, like I, I understand that, but, um, but one, I think it makes, it has to be kind of an individual choice, like the missionaries coming in and saying, hey, you need to do this. Right, not a good problematic. idea. Yes. Um, and then also, I think, trying to, cut off that tie from any sort of historic, you know, family tree and changing the last name. Yes. It is a conflation of the gospel where we get a new name Christian. Right. With, you know, this very sort of Americanized um, Western vision of what is normal and what is right. We're really, we're really bad with culture, really. Right. Like we, do you want to pause for a moment? Yeah. Dad. Yeah, Ben will give you a drink. Hey, I Yeah. Yeah, go to Ben. Ben has your drink. Go to Ben. Ben has your drink. Go to Ben. Ben has your drink. Ben has it. Where's my drink? Go to Ben. We're almost done. Go to Ben. Think you got it that time? I don't know. So, so we don't necessarily handle culture well, right? So we want to either completely uh, reject culture, which is not a good idea, as we see in colonialism. This is not okay. God was present in that culture before you arrived. Uh, You don't want to miss out on what God's been doing and what God can redeem. Uh, But then we also, you know, bow to culture. Uh, We look at American culture and think that that's that's part of Christianity, right? Like, and it's 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 not. There are a lot of things in American culture that are not good for Christians. Not good for Christians. Well, it's. I think it's it's another example of the way that you know our, Jesus is in our hearts, but Grandpa's in our bones, mm-hmm. right? Like we assume that the culture we grew up in is right, and every culture is to some degree, right? Like you know, you see things that work winning out by and large. But that doesn't mean that um, just because something worked in Central Europe and has worked for generations, 
that what has been working in South America needs to be replaced by that thing that's been working in Central Europe. Um, I mean, even in uh, marriages, right? You have two families coming together that there have been different ways of dealing with conflict, different ways of making decisions, um, different ways of handling finances, of handling child rearing. Um, you know, across the board, you have these these disparate, you know, microcultures. Yes. And navigating how that goes is a big part of whether or not a marriage is going to work in the 21st century. Right. Now, me, I just outkicked my coverage. So, you know, we do what Cindy wants to do, and I'm perfectly happy with that. Um, You're a wise man. I mean, you know, mama didn't raise no fool. Her mama no. didn't raise no fool either. No. But I mean, even then, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm joking, right? Like, that's, that's not reality. I mean, the reality right. is, like, we've continually had to, um, to talk through how we're going to make decisions, how we're going to handle finances, you know, whether, um, whether we want the kids to have an hour of screen time or half an hour of screen time or two hours of screen time. You know, what are the sort of offenses that bring about, um, you know, stricter punishments than others? Because, I mean, what you can't have is you can't have, um, you know, mom spanking a kid for spilling milk and dad, uh, you know, having no response whatsoever. Right. Right. Like if there isn't consistency, I mean, that's just going to tear a kid up. Um, you know, you can't have dad uh, going out and spending $50 on lunch every day and mom packing bologna sandwiches like that will lead to resentment um, without that. Those conversations without clarity on what the culture of your household is going to be. You're toast. And it's not just in families, right? Like this, this expands wider. I mean, the issues in United Methodism today are because we can't agree on what our culture is going to be. Yes. Like we don't have brand identity. I mean, in the we United States. We don't have States, agreement on doctrine, let alone brand identity. I mean, just it, saying. Yeah. You know, expand it beyond that, right? Like the United States right now, we do not have clarity on what we agree are our goals like there is like there's no agreement on goals much less on how we get there we can't agree on what the goals are of our society yeah tyler and i experienced uh some of this turmoil about you know the greater culture um so i was raised baptist i've talked about this quite a bit uh and when i returned home from college uh, met Tyler, we started going to the church that I grew up in. We started going to our Baptist church. And the Baptist church uh, has, over the years, become more conservative, uh, not just theologically, right? But there was a strong sense that it is right for women to um, submit to their spouses 
and it is right for women to stay at home and raise their children. Uh, in a congregation of pushing 400, I was one of two women with small children who worked outside their home. And we sat under teaching that this is what a Christian marriage looks like. You know, this is the man's role. This is the woman's role. And uh, that almost destroyed us because that model just did not fit the way God had wired either one of us. It didn't fit our culture that we were brought up in where, you know, working poor families, both parents work, right? There's, um, yeah. Yeah, and it was really hard. Leaving that church was the closest thing I hope I ever have to experience to a divorce. Hmm. It's hard to leave. It's hard to leave family, whether that's blood relation or family in Christ. And, and I mean, and that's you know, sadly, that's kind of the um, the extent that we have to go sometimes in order to live faithfully to the gospel um you know as as awful as it sounds like there will be um there will be parts of i don't even want to say it that way you know there are some family systems that are so dysfunctional that you cannot operate as a new creation in Christ while being a part of it. True. Which is tragic. It is. Um, it's tragic. But here's the thing. When we talk about church culture and when we talk about, um, you know, the idea of gender roles and Christian marriage and biblical manhood and womanhood, uh, the reality is that. I'm sorry. I couldn't hear you over my chainsaw. Yep. The reality is uh, that there's nothing wrong with a woman wanting to take care of her home and raise her children. That's serious work. That's Mm -hmm. a serious undertaking. Motherhood is a calling. Being a wife is a calling. Uh, There are men who very much want to give their wife the freedom to pursue that calling. And so they take on the, the financial responsibility of the household, right? Um, but there is nothing wrong with taking the pre-fall model of partnership, man and woman working together and uh, mutual submission. We can do the mountains together, Tyler and I. Gosh, you would. <laughs> Newing the mountains. You love it. You're so glad. Yeah, I am. Yeah, I'm very glad about mountain canoeing. We are. We have just finished off our second pot here. Uh, we hope that you stay caffeinated. You stay in love with Jesus, and we will catch you later. Bye bye. We are.